it's her grandson, her son, right. her co-worker, retiring. They're going to have, like, um, King Crab and be out on a yacht. Yeah, lay it out. Lay it out. We ordered a cameo for this lady, Maria. She's turning 66, and it sounds pretty fancy. They're going to go on a yacht for her birthday, have champagne, have crab legs, and he wants her, Andrew, to wish her a happy birthday. She just retired. This guy. Oh! You know. Class act. <laughs> so, so he orders a cameo from Andrew for her, you know, which uh. sounds odd. But. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been sending this to friends because when I watch it, I go out of my mind late at night <laughs> enjoying it. <laughs> you know, going like, and every time I watch it, I go, but why me? Yeah. 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 Well, they're probably just a fan, right? I mean, just like a... Well, all right, all right. so wait a minute. No, the guy probably was. But picture, they're on the yacht, okay? <laughs> right before they bring out the cake, we have a special treat. We have a video for you. Oh! So I'm not going to even play part one because <laughs> I have to send it in two parts when I send it to a friend. Cause it's it's, okay. <laughs> um, just for you... Here, first read, so even though she told you, this is what they ordered. Read it out loud so you... When you, is... Okay, when is their uh, birthday? Oh! How old are they turning? 66. What are they doing for their birthday? Brunch with family and friends. Going out on boat with family and friends. Having favorite dinner. King crab and champagne. What's something special about... Oh! Want Andrew Dice Clay to know. She's a truly warm, compassionate, caring person. She loves to make the people around her happy. She's a great cook and even better baker. She had a great career in finance and is now retired. <laughs> okay. So that's what they want. All right. All right. Do you want both parts? Because we're waiting for the coffee girl. Right? Yeah. I mean, no, we're, we're starting. So, so play it. Yeah. No, no, but I want you to... Yeah, I want to hear it. Well, it's, it's, it's like seven minutes if you watch both parts. So here, play me part two. I want it because, yeah, I'm right, imagining so on picture, a yacht. All right, picture, I'm in my apartment. <laughs> the couch isn't far from the front door, okay? And you know people are coming in. Right. You know, so they don't know what's going on in the apartment. They just hear everything. Right. Okay, so this is part two. Okay, here, I'm giving it to you. In a yacht. You know what I mean? <laughs> she wants to get on that. 
suit up her ass. She's going to dive in, <laughs> do a couple laps. Maybe they'll go on the, uh, the, the water motorcycle. What are them called? What are them? No, the fucking thing. Yeah, a sea-doo. No, not a sea-doo. the neighbors. No, what's the thing that you take the, with the motor in the water? Well, it's a sea and that's what it's called. No, not a sea A jet ski? A ski thing. <laughs> just listen, just listen. The f- jet ski. Jet ski. There you go. Thank you, sweetheart. Look how nice I Thank get. Thank you. <laughs> you jet ski, right? You sit behind Mikey. You hold on tight like you're on a... Like, a, like it's a Mission Impossible movie, right? <laughs> Next thing you know... You're jerking his fucking stucco stick out in the middle of the fucking house. What are you talking about? I'm trying to make the lady laugh. She's a a great cook and a better baker. Uh, All right, listen. All right, cook. Yeah. No, come, yeah, here comes my fondant all over your fucking face, kids and belly. Talking to a pal. I want you to have a really like beautiful birthday. <laughs> I want you to have a nice big cake. See that's and that was only part two. That see the thing is yes. I've gone up to twenty two minutes on camera. (laughs) On camera, but that's the thing is like the the money is it's it's secondary to you're not doing these things for the money. You're doing it for the passion. Listen, I started doing cameo, and I'm not now. I'll get a million cameos. I won't even want to do them. Right, Uh, but I will do them. Um, When when the uh, the fucking thing. Are we on yet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did you want to, but you want to just start the like? You want to say like, like start the show? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. We could just, you know, we're uh, yeah. going. Uh, I'm Andrew Dice Clay. That's it. He's yeah. here. Chris DiStefano. <laughs> I'm his guest. You didn't get the. Oh. I did. I've been recording. The whole oh, okay. Time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Cannon, too. Mike Cannon. Let's see if he remembered. Oh, sorry. Mike, talk to this fucking guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's new at this. Anyway, all I wanted to say was, I started doing the cameo when uh, the fungus, the pandemic, exactly. Whatever. Okay, when the fungus hit. The fungus meaning yeah. the, the COVID, not yeah. Chinese. I don't call it COVID. COVID, Get you know. I, I'm not looking to do like my act from stage. I don't do that. Understood. But I do make the point of going. You know, when they came out with it uh, years back, uh, the COVID. Right. I go. You know, like. What a shit name for right. such a big disease. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they always go, what's in the name? And I go, everything. Yeah. I go, so what they should have named it was the fungus. Yeah. Like, if you go, oh, did you hear Joey got the fungus? You go, stay the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, COVID, Nick, I tell you this right now, COVID... <laughs> It doesn't have like any panache. Right. No. You know, you go, all right, what is that? You mm. know what I mean? It started COVID. with Corona, and then did they pay money to get them to veer into COVID? I even forgot Corona. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think they changed it because Corona's the beer. Yeah. Right. So they went to COVID. I'm going, no. No, COVID the fungus. COVID sounds like like a trendy, like hipster name. Yeah. Somebody they, would wear those pants. It's <laughs> named COVID. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, personally, I nearly died from it, but I came through it. You came through Because I'm going, it's not the fungus, it's COVID. Right. You know, so live. I get it. I get it. Yeah, we lit, We made it through, and now, and now there's new problems. That's the thing. There's always problems coming and going. There's always going to be problems. So yeah. what do you, so, so you, you just, you live. You're a passion first guy. It's very obvious with you. That's why I think everybody loves you, because you're like, you're not doing this for the money, you're doing it for the passion. With what? Like, oh, the, the cameo thing. No, no, no. Oh, no. My whole point was so when, when, when we had the fungus started, there's nothing to do. You got to stay in. Right. You know? That's like when I got my, my sugar plum. Right. I got her at the Burbank airport. Um, it's good. You know, because I'm like, what, what, what do I know how to do in the house? You no. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, we really hit it off. Eleanor got her for me. Eleanor Kerrigan, my <laughs> opener. Love Eleanor. <laughs> by, by got her. What do you mean? Like, how did you find her at well, the airport? Well, Eleanor, uh, she was, she actually, we were, we were in Dallas, and Eleanor tells me about this really, I'm going to be sweet, this beautiful girl. We do have your coffee, by the Let's way. See, I'm holding it for you. You want me oh, to put it right up here? Wait a minute. When did she bring it? She snuck she in. She snuck there. in. Then, yeah. She's... Want, see how they, this is another thing, Chris. Because <laughs> I already love you. I love you, too. What, what? What what's this? What is this? What is this? What is that? What is this? I yeah. Just tell me what it is. It's, it's a cup, uh, right? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's yeah. a cup that, it, to make you uh, not burn your hand on the cup. Okay, so my thing. Okay, why don't they just? And I like Starbucks. I got nothing against them. All right, I don't want to get mad. Uh, I was in a good mood today. Why don't? They just make the cup a little thicker. Like the cup I'm now going to pour it into. Right. Like they wouldn't be spending millions and zillions of dollars on, as you called it, the big cock ring. <laughs> the cup cock You know? Yeah. And because the cup would be thick enough. Yeah. To, with, that you wouldn't burn your fingers off. These yeah. assholes. 
I should be running this place. You should be. <laughs> because then what happens? People get mad. They throw that into the ocean, and that kills the turtles. No, wait a minute. Uh, destroyed? By the way, you can't even get that cover. <laughs> I know. I saw you looking at <laughs> the red. Yeah, that's straight from Tony Stark's house. Right? No, yeah. no. My, my yeah. sugar plum got this for yeah, me. You, you can't, can't get that. Can't get that anywhere. Uh, wait a I like that. Cover. Wait a minute. Yeah, pour the Do coffee. Do me a favor. I'll, Nick, I'll hold it. Nick. Yeah. Right. Just open... Up to Starbucks. I got you, buddy. This is half mocha, too, right? It is. But... Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. I'm so afraid of this shit. Do you ever tell Starbucks, hold the cardboard because you're already wearing it? You have mittens? no idea how many Starbucks I'm banned from. <laughs> All right. Is this? Which is my cap? This? There we go. All right. Nice. Look how my cup, by the way, matches your chairs. Nice. And that wasn't planned. Like a lot of people don't know that. No. <laughs> they don't. They don't. You know what I mean? Like, I look to, I wanted to look good for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you see how you're all matched out yeah. with the wall? Look at me. Right. You think you could just go into Macy's and buy this shirt? No. Can't happen. This is, as an onlooker, can I say, this is an awesome dynamic because this is like almost looper. Well, right. like, like, you're, you're, you're being confronted with your older self and you're being confronted with your younger self. Well, just to let you know, I fell in love with his comedy. Uh, okay, so just to put my sugar plump to the side. So Eleanor, we're in Dallas, tells me about this beautiful girl she met and she actually showed me a picture like nearly a year earlier. She goes, remember that girl? I go, I, I, what remember? Show me. Mm. So she shows me a picture, I go, she goes, she's coming to the show to see me, to see Eleanor, not me. Right. You know. Right. What's that about? Yeah. So <laughs> she comes to the show because, uh, you know, I, I had Eleanor, like, DMing her, going, are you still single? And she writes back that she is, that, you know, she's not a girl that settled. She wanted gold. Bang. You know what I mean? Yep. Not some jerk off from the neighborhood. So, um... <laughs> So she comes to the show, and what was funny is I was very excited about meeting her, but I really put my heart into my shows. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, but what happened is by the time Eleanor brought her into the, the dressing room, I conked out a little, you know. I'm <laughs> tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I felt, I felt like such an asshole. But anyway, that's how we met, mm -hmm. and things worked out. She and, met you at your most vulnerable, though, if you think about it. You were completely unconscious the uh, first time and, she met you. She brings it up all the time how, you know, you said you were so excited to meet me, and, you know, and you were sleeping. <laughs> but I didn't mean to sleep. You know, I wasn't yeah. going, oh, I'm going to sleep now. Yeah. But that's a power move because that maybe made her feel like, oh, this guy doesn't even care about me. He's asleep. Makes want you more, potentially. No, but I, it, <laughs> no, but the okay. point is, what she came and she hung out that night to right. have a drink, and I was very respectful to her, and uh, like all the way back to where I, we stayed at this really nice place in Dallas. All the way back, she's telling Eleanor about her whole life, mm, right? You know, and why she she didn't get married, and you know, like you know. There were girls she knew that grew up, had two and three marriages already. She didn't want to do that. Right. You know, 
So I'm hearing the type of girl she is, all the stuff you'd want to hear that they never tell you when they're out with you. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, all right, well, she's mine now. Yeah. She didn't know it yeah, yet. Yeah. It took time. Are you right. still pretending time. to be asleep? You know, no, she, oh, okay. she really <laughs> is. Overhearing the- you know, I say this in front of her because, you know, it's over four years and I'm just crazy about this girl. She's great. So she's the only girl I never cheated on. I, I got to be honest with you. She Congratulations. Not, Congratulations to no, you, awesome. man. I'm, I'm just, uh, no, but it's the <laughs> truth because yeah. I have, the reason I have cheated on every wife, right? okay, is they were always a disappointment. Like every girl will always say to you, oh, I got, well, you know, when I was with Eleanor, I didn't cheat on her either. Oh, you and Eleanor Kerrigan dated. Yeah, we were together for that. a while. And, um... So, so, but, you know, I'm close with Eleanor now over 30 years. Yeah. You know, she's family, Eleanor. She comes with so, you on the road everywhere. Yeah, so there's only been two girls, Eleanor and, and Carrie, that I wouldn't even think of cheating on her because she's the only girl that never disappointed me. When she says she's got your back, she's got your back. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and I've gone through some major things that another girl would go, you know what, I'm out. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but not her. So I try to be like the very best I can. Right. You know, and I'm a beast inside. I'm that guy. Like, I would tell every girl I married, I go, look, I, I'm, I'll be the greatest guy in the world to you unless you stab me in the back. Right. And then I'm the worst guy you'll ever be with. Right. And, and I've been both. You Do- know, that's why when people say to me, like, who's Andrew? Who's Dice? You know, I go, I'm all of it. Right. You know, I'm just all of it, you know. Yeah, I don't think anybody, I think we live in a world today where everybody, they need to put you in black or white, you know. But we're all gray area people. Like we've talked about it before. Gandhi was a great guy. He also used to bang 12-year-olds. What can you do? <laughs> Not everybody's perfect. <laughs> well, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's nice. But Gandhi did do that. I, I, I didn't know him. I didn't hang out with him. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not even going there. You know what he I mean? He wasn't hanging around the store? You I know, guess. I just, uh, you know, I'm not a Gandhi guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Can I, I ask, what, can I ask I when, you meet, when you meet Sugar Plum and, and anybody, do they have any preconceived notions of who you are because of your act, because of what you've said, and because of how many protests there well, have been? Well, when Eleanor did first uh, uh, talk to her, you know, about me, mm-hmm. You know, she said, you know, she was with me, you know, that, that Eleanor was with me. And she goes, well, if he's so great, why are you selling him to me? You know? <laughs> right. You know, it made sense. Makes sense. Know? And what was Eleanor's response? Well, Eleanor said, you know, we just, it didn't work out for us, you know. But Eleanor knew how I would feel with her. She could just tell. Yeah, well, she's a one of a kind. Trust she's me. She's a one of one. She's a one of a kind. Even the simple fact I that... I have had... And I don't want to get mad. No. You know, no. But if you I don't do, we give got, a fuck. We got candy point. for you uh, if you want. Right. No. Uh, from the time I was 17 and a half and started dating, you know, that's when sex came in. I had girlfriends before that, but there was no sex. It's all been toxic. Each and every one got more and more toxic. I mean, the worst kind of fight you could have. Everything other than swinging it out. Right. I mean, the worst words you could say. The you know, yeah. where, you know, there were girls I wouldn't talk to for four and five days that I lived with, and I wouldn't even look at them because it was so toxic. Right. And 
in in over four years, we haven't had one argument that would cause that. Right. Ever. You know, we don't fight. We live in harmony. Yeah, I think a lot of people are with the wrong people and they don't realize until they find the right one. Right? Yeah. You know, and how's it going for you? Not good. Uh, (laughs) No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We we love each other. We have, you know, beautiful kids. Um, So, but I think in today's world, it's difficult to maintain a relationship. Mike is, is married to a beautiful woman. Been married, been with the same woman since he's, a, since he's a kid. But it's hard because there's so many. <laughs> well, it's that a lot. Was the since most dismissive a. scoff I've ever no, heard. No, but since what age? I mean, it's been on and off since we were ten years old. We've each oh, had, right. had additional partners. It would be insane. Yes, but we grew yeah. up as neighbors, best friends, oh, like okay. that whole thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you met. I, I have HPV. That's it's been. I've, we all I've, do. I've I've gone around. That's the thing we deal with as kids. What? HPV. What? HPV. It's human papillomavirus. It's just how you know you're sexually active these days. Everybody I mean, has it. I, I don't understand all these terms. You know what I mean? Right. I just know you meet one, you start slamming into the pig pie, and that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's it. You know? Yeah. You know, Can I say I, my favorite word of yours that you've used for vagina is dungeon on the day the laughter died? I like that. You know what? I, I don't even really remember dungeon because... Um, Babe, babe, do me a favor in in the in the bag. I I put the black pad. It's funny that you bring this up, mm. cause um, what did I write right before I came here was chubby liquid lips. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I like which that. I, which I didn't even tell her yet. I was saving it for the end of the day. <laughs> Just as a present. You know? <laughs> no, because during the fungus. I decided that, you know, there were just certain words. You know how they changed a lot of things? Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, Victor, you're getting in there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I love this guy. Vito's a good kid. We call him Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, Vito? This is Vito. Yeah. What happened to Victor? He left? (laughs) He left, yeah. 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 Vito's a good guy. You from Staten Island, too? No, I'm from Manhattan. I'm from Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. Whoop. So, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Pips Comedy like, Club. They take yeah, I want to talk about that. That's where yeah. I started. All right. So Here anyway, so anyway, during that time, other than cameo, and which we never even finished that, by the way. I know. That's why I started doing cameo because mm. you couldn't go out and perform live. Had nothing to do. Mm. And uh, I got a call from John Lovitz to talk to this guy that owns Cameo, you know, which is like the video you watch. And I just started doing them. So I would do like 10 and 15 of them a day. So that creatively fulfilled me. Yeah, right. Okay. So the other thing, I go, you know what? You know, it's not nice, you know, you know. To use like the C word on a girl or, you know, the P word is even boring. They've all heard it a mm. million times. The T word. Yeah. Yes. So I came up with things like, yeah, like I'm showing you. Yeah. Slurpy sled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know exactly what you mean. It, it, you're in bed with it. Here, you're married how many years now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's seven. Seven yeah. years, right? Yeah. How great. Okay. So you go home tonight, you grab her, you drag her into the bedroom, whatever. 
you know, I'm That's sure me, after Alpha. seven years, there's, <laughs> there's not that much foreplay. Mm. So when you're on top, you know, she's always hearing the same, oh, you whatever feels so good, but you only got a few words. Yeah. Let's say you go, oh, oh, my God, the feel of your gash guzzler. You see what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I love the taste of your marbleized meat steak. <laughs> you know, you know things like that. Well, yeah. I, I got a book. This is even the, even the you know uh, your gummy lips. You, you you know your Japanese snapping turtle. You know what I mean? Like I said in the cameo. Oh, tug on my stucco stick. You know what I mean? Those are the moments. Yeah. Those are. That you go, oh, I like that. <laughs> Where'd you get that? And you go, Dice. You know, he helps people with this. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I love when you wear those workout pants, how 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 your panty oyster looks squeezed together in those. <laughs> yes. You see, you see what I mean? <laughs> and I think a woman appreciates the thought that goes into yes. new names for her hairy roast beef, let's say. Yeah. I agree. I That's think a woman just wants to know that you're putting in the effort, and that is putting in the effort. Yeah, creative. you're putting in the effort and being creative, and I yeah. think Sugar Plum likes that. Now, do you? Is it pretty much your writing when you're writing when you're walking through the streets? Are you just thinking of that all the time? What's the process with that? Is it at night in the bathtub? When is it? No, uh, the uh, the chubby liquid lips, which we okay. love. We love. <laughs> I, I was I was putting it's brand new, not two hours old. Wow. Wrote it down in the book when I was putting, like, my wallet in the bag I brought here today. Right. It the, just came to me. just came. And then you got the book and you do it. Because we, Mike and I, we write on our notepads, on our phones. But I think the act of the pen to the paper is what we should be doing yeah. more. I go phone to paper. I, all, I really yeah. only do it with that. Like, yeah. you know, every, every crowd, I try to explain to them that... Um, you know, your show that I'm giving you, you know, is not going to be the show I gave you last night. Mm -hmm. You know, the mm -hmm. show I gave those people. And then I'll maybe I'll tell them I didn't even like those people. Right. You know, I hated that crowd last night. Right. And I'll explain, like, let's say there's a guy and a girl sitting in the seat. I'll go, the two guys that were here last night in those seats were thrown out because I told them. Don't applaud again, you know, you know, and they did to piss me off. So we threw them out. I go, great moment in the show and everybody else loved it. But every show is is an individual new show for these people. Right. You know, I would be bored to tears doing A to Z every night. Right. You know, and it took me about three and a half years of going on stage and just throwing the act on the floor like like a jigsaw puzzle mm -hmm. that no matter what bit I start with and then new bits come into it that, you know, I could just somehow piece it all together right. without doing like solid bits that are just the same show. I, I, I would have probably stopped performing. That's what you did in the beginning or that's no, what you've that's done what now? No, that's what I do now. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I come out, I really don't know where it's going. And it doesn't matter you know, the size of the event. It could be from a 10,000-seater to a small club. You'll the, do the same way. I couldn't care less. Yeah. I mean, you know, recently I started doing these. Well, I got something in my eye off here. 
recently I started doing, like you're talking, you, uh, you know, like the biggest show, like you did Radio City, you Radio were telling me. Yep. And um, so I've now started by, look, the feeling of doing gigantic places <laughs> never goes away because I geared myself as a concert performer. Right. Okay. Coming up at doing comedy because I felt comics knew nothing about performance. They were good comics. They'd stand like stick figures and they just wouldn't perform. So I could watch a few minutes and then I'd walk out of the room. Right. Because I came up as a drummer and a singer and I knew how to entertain an audience. So with comedy, as I started getting good with stand-up, I was like, be a concert performer. Be the biggest comic in the world. That's how I looked at it. That's how simple it was so, because, in my mind. Because nobody, I think people got to understand that maybe don't know, nobody before you did an arena as a comedian. Nobody did Madison yeah. Square Garden. You, you want to know something? Uh, I will correct that. Steve Martin Steve did Martin, the garden. Sorry. But I was the first real arena comic. I did, right. you know, I mean, my first tour, Dice Rules, sold out in, what, an hour and a half, right. which was 22 shows. With no TikTok. You know, and no TikTok, <laughs> no followers, Everybody just followed me into the arenas. Right. And, you know, and, you, you know, Joe Rogan always gives me credit for that. He goes, yeah, a lot of comics are doing the arena thing today. But when Dice came along, it was an explosion. Yes. He even texted me the night he did the garden, basically saying thank you for, you know, opening that door. Sure. You know, so. Do you think you were chosen for that? Because of the musicality of your act, because it had so much like people liked hearing your jokes even a second, third time, more so than any other comedian because of the rhythm and everything to it. You know what? I just believed in in the one thing. And as comics, you know, a lot of comics are so insecure, you know, that till they hear a laugh, Mm. you know. They, they're afraid on the stage, no matter how big you get. That's, that's just the nature of comedians. The one thing I always had, and I started really young, I started before I was 21, was absolute confidence in my ability. Mm-hmm. You know, I was used to being on a stage. I started out by doing, like, impressions of Jerry Lewis turning into John Travolta from Greece, you know, doing Grease Lightning yeah. on stage, doing the singing. The da- I had no fear whatsoever i i couldn't care less if they left right <laughs> i just love to perform yeah, yeah you know and um so is it half i mocha? go out to la is it good a little too much mocha <laughs> i'm gonna deal with it you do you want to I mean? you wanted to go back no okay no. i'll All go right. back when i'm done here okay i'll have a little talk <laughs> with the manager good okay you know so um so so the thing is you know, I was out in LA. I started September 1378. Pips in Brooklyn was where I auditioned my act. Mm. Had about eight, nine minutes that I got hired to headline that weekend wow. by the owners of Pips. They couldn't even <laughs> believe. When I turned into Travolta, who was at the height of his career, okay, I came up as Jerry Lewis, the mm. nutty professor, that boo, get the fuck off, you fucking suck, mm. right? Right. So I had to keep it together with the lights out, greasing the hair back, the pompadour. I got to rip off the clothes, roll down the pants, and turn around as Danny Zuko 
with right. the music I had edited together, mm -hmm. which was uh, Disco Inferno, with giving me an intro, a voice intro. When I did that and I turned around as Travolta, you know, this is Brooklyn, New York. You know, the place, you know, Greece was still in the, in the theaters. You know, he was the biggest star in the world. And it was like a dead-on look and a dead-on impression. They were throwing the tables over. My family couldn't <laughs> believe what just happened. In the, and when I did Grease Lightning, it was screaming. Mm -hmm. Screaming, like Travolta <laughs> came into the club. So as I'm leaving, here come the owners, Marty and Seth Schultz, going, uh, wait, who are you? Like, where are you going? Like, right. we, we, do you have a manager? And I looked at my father. I go, yeah, that's my manager. You know, and he don't know what's going on. They go, we, we want to hire your yeah. son to do just what he did here tonight on the weekend. He'll for an hour, though? The show. They said for... No, I, I, I go, that's the whole act. Right. You saw it. They go, just do that. Yeah. Just do what you did tonight. You know, and I'll never forget the pay was $50. I got pictures of such... I couldn't care if it was coffee, you know. Sure. I couldn't believe it. And that was the very beginning. So that... That instilled that confidence. So now, that's September 78. By February 79, which isn't far off, I'm in L.A. That A comic, Mitchell Walters, saw me. He, he was from Brooklyn, and he came in. He saw me at Pips. Mitch and, Walters was the guy that knows every area code, right? That's right. Yes. Comedy store guy. yes. So he comes over to me and my father, he goes, he's got to come to the comedy store. Yeah. Mitzi Shaw is going to love this guy. So the bottom line is, I go to the comedy store, uh, and when I, you know, when I first met Mitzi, I couldn't care less. I was in comedy. So how long are you going to be out here? I go, two weeks. She goes, you're not, you're not going home in two weeks. Yeah. She goes, you're a movie star. There's nobody that's even ever looked like you as a comic. Right. Think of Buddy no. Hackett, she said. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. She goes, look at you. Yeah. And, and you know who was standing with her was um, Lenny Bruce's mother, Sally wow. Ma, used to come through. So, and she's going, oh, he's handsome like my Lenny was. Like I couldn't even, that I couldn't believe that I'm seeing her, you know. Right. And so my first trip home was after nine months, after I did. Um, my first TV thing, which was uh, Larry David was in it with uh, uh, Michael Richards. It was supposed to be like that Saturday Night Live Fridays. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they hired that, yeah. me to do these Elvis bits, you know, where they'd play all the hits Elvis never did. Like this, the theme from Laverne and Shirley, right. you know, and I'm posing as Elvis. It was good. So I come home, and my mother... You know, uh, you know, who was really into show business, people like Sinatra, the Rat Pack, all of that. She loved that stuff. So she told me, she was like asking me, like, what do you think of the comedians out there? You know, I go, well, they're good, but they really don't know about performing. You know, like the one guy I'd bring up that I thought was great was Richard Lewis, because he would use that whole stage. Mm. You know, he was a nervous wreck, which he still is. I didn't know it was real. You know, I just would watch yeah. this guy and go, oh, it's a fucking pity on this guy. Yeah. What he goes through. Yeah. But he was hysterical, you know. Yeah. So I told her about, she goes, well, what are you going to do? I go, Ma, I'll just become the Elvis of comedy. 
it was that simple to me because yeah. that's who I studied. You weren't putting pressure, up. all this pressure on yourself. No, I just, growing up, I studied drummers like Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa and, you know, Ringo Starr from the Beatles, you know, and, you know, and Elvis. That was, you know, I snuck out of my room at 12 to watch the 68 Comeback Special, which people are first getting into now, mm-hmm. you know. And I knew, not as a singer, that I could be that, that image, that with that le- I had a leather jacket the next day from J.C. Penney that I made my mother. My parents were very encouraging that way. And I just started working on the whole Dice persona. I'd come up there. I would be quiet. I'd light my cigarette. I don't, I don't light them anymore. Yeah. But I hold them. And, um, yeah, I'd light the cigarette. I'd be like... <sighs> just looking at the crowd and they're looking at me like, where is it? Like, I go, you know, I could come up here and only I could come up here for, I don't know, two minutes, smoke a cigarette (laughs) and keep your attention. And the reason I could do that, ladies and gentlemen, is because the fact is I'm just that fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) And I walked off. That was the beginning of Dice. Uh, And that was it. That was the show. (laughs) That's what I gave him. You know, because what had happened is I was doing the whole Jerry Lewis, Mm -hmm. John Travolta, and so, but I always wore a leather jacket, you know. So one night, uh, Harris Pete, who was like the big doorman at the comedy store, he sat the people. He would MC the shows for many years, like 30 years. He comes over to me. There was a fallout. Somebody didn't show up. And he goes, you want to go up? And I go, yeah. He goes, all right, go put on your stuff. I go, no, just bring me up the way I am. You know. And he goes, okay, I'll just introduce you. And that's when I lit the cigarette, because I'd been practicing that in the mm-hmm. mirror, about just telling the crowd how great I am. Yeah. You know, so you wouldn't, you would never, you weren't. I don't think you're the type of comic you would never ask your buddies or your mom, "Hey, is this funny?" You would just say, "I no. believe it's funny, so I'm gonna go do it." <laughs> no, I, did, I couldn't care less, and I'm telling this to you because of certain talks we've had and yes. our last texting thing that we had. Yes, I, I was. Going, I don't need that personal between us. Well, I'll just paraphrase. I was, I was about to go on stage at a club in LA, and I had these big shows coming up with Radio City and Theater and MSG, and I was having a lot of doubt about myself and my career, and is this all just a fluke? And so I was talking with Dice about it, and he gave me great advice about ups and downs and things just just being okay. He said, and the thing that he said is right before I went on, it gave me a bunch of confidence in the world. He said, if you weren't funny, they wouldn't have paid to see you. If you weren't funny, I wouldn't be sitting here now. Right. You, I think you're one of the greats, you oh, know? Thanks. You're only going to get greater... You know, through the years. Yeah. But I like sitting with guys that are really funny. And it was that night in the car, in the limo, where uh, uh, it was, babe, was it you that brought it up with Eleanor? And I said, I got to see this guy. And they, they... The 9-11 bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you know, you actually had had a couple drinks that night. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. And I was <laughs> screaming, laughing in the car. Oh, wow. Going, I got to meet this guy. I got to hang with this guy. This guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I go, and he's doing it. Like, I'm not a drinker. She, she makes fun of me. Right. If we go out and if I have two drinks, I'm toast. Right. You know, and I'm talking just like a rum and coke. Yeah. Like, you know. You get, you're, you're ripped. <laughs> I, I just, I was never into drinking. I was yeah. never into drugs ever. Right. So stay away from that shit. I don't do it's it. Incredible. The only you know, thing I do is I take my blood pressure medicine, uh, Losartan. Uh, <laughs> 50 milligrams of Losartan for about five years now. Okay. I have to. That's it. What? Is it getting high? No, I so just. What are you talking about? I had high pressure. No, I'm talking about like drugs, drugs, hardcore chemical fucking. drugs. We do mushrooms. That's it. You know, a little no, bit. Don't do it. Okay. You need anything? Smoke a little weed. That's it. Okay. That's it. Weed. The flour. Then. Not this pipe bullshit. Not this. No. Liquid, whatever the shit that Acid fucking destroys any... people. No. Fuck that. Fuck it. We do. If okay. you can't get high enough on stage, then you shouldn't be on a stage. I respect it. You know what I mean? So, but I'm saying, you know, I'll only do a show if I think the guy is funny, you know? Well, well, what, what is one of the best things, you know, obviously your accolades and everything you've done in comedy is amazing and it all speaks for itself, you know, especially amongst comics, it's the greats, right? You're one of the greats. So, so, but for me... No, thank you. One, right. one of these things... supposed to be humble that way. No, it's all right. <laughs> no, but you know. It is. You know I mean, you, it, you know, you're sure. like one of the fucking legends, Yeah. you know? And, and so... And so for me, though, what one thing that I learned about you, because what I struggle with and Mike saying we both have children is you took time away from your career to raise your kids. Yeah. Right. Is that that's at least that's the yes. that's what the yes. media says. Yes. Right? That's true, though. Yeah. I you love walked, my sons completely. Right. And so for me, sometimes I think about that now. I got stuff going on. No, but, he, I, but I did always work. You know, okay. I, you know, I would go on the road, let's say Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know what I mean? And, and I'm back. To take care of them, especially right. when me and their mom broke up. You know what I mean? So, so you mean you just wouldn't do movies and, or TV? You would just do stand-up at that time? Well, you know, whatever came up, you know, I would do it. A, a lot of the movie stuff was in L.A., but I was always there for them. You know, I mean, yeah. they basically grew up under my roof. Not, right. You know, that's just how it went. And even after the breakup. So, you know, I'm still trying to get them to move out. <laughs> right. But no, I just love them and I believe parents should be there for their children. But, you know, it's not like you're on a tour for three months. No. You know, you're doing your gigs. You could be a weekend warrior and accomplish exactly what you want to accomplish. Yeah, I think because there's times where, like, I got the next 10 weekends, I'm gone every weekend. And I was talking to Mike before the show. I was like, you know, it bothers me. I'm going to miss all these weekends. But he was like, yeah, but you're still going to, we're still there from Sunday night to Wednesday, and if you accumulate those hours, we might be there more than a guy who's working at 9 to 5, 9 to 6 every day because he's leaving before his kids wake up and he's home when his kids are asleep. But where during the day, we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all day, they're free. Like, my kids are in school now. We're done with the episode. I'll go pick them up from school. But then I got to leave tomorrow, and okay, sometimes so, that messes with all us. Right, so yeah. what's this thing he does where he's telling, like, on the West Coast, like, telling people, you know, what? Vic. Vic. 
<laughs> no, when you come on and go, I don't understand, I'm selling the tickets. The West Coast, understand, it's very hard to make noise on the West Coast. Right. It just is, because everybody believes they're a star. Right. Okay? Like, I'm on sale now at the Wilton Theater. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I'm starting to do bigger stuff again, you know, because uh, that's the story I wanted to tell you, which includes Bill Burr, you know, sure. who, I, who I just love. Okay. Another legend. A, a, a more 100%. modern day. Yeah. And, and he's doing the whole world. Yes. He just did like Abu Dhabi over there, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Aruba. Yeah. Uh, um, Dubai. I yeah. mean, you know, so, and I was talking to Club Soda Kenny about it. Love him. Yesterday, you know, I actually did like a little tribute to Club Soda on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, today. And because we've been working together on and off for 30 years, 35 years. And um, so anyway, once again, you know, I I still have this like I I, I love performing more now than I did in my 30s. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just I just love it. You know, I'm better at it than I've ever been. I could come up with 15 minute concepts that I tell Eleanor, I'm going to open with that tonight. And she goes. You motherfucker. She goes, and you're going to fucking level the room with something you said in the car, and I'm doing five spots a night. You understand how that bothers me? Right. You know, I go, yeah, but I'm dice. You know, that, it's as simple as that. Like, yeah. I know me so well as a comic, I can take a subject and just build it on right. stage. So anyway, I love it so much that, you know, for the last, I don't know, six months, I sit on the streets in New York, I have my coffee, and I talk to my agent who I've been with, uh, you know, I'm with the same agents nearly 35 years. Right. The the guys that book me, they have Billy Joel, they have Metallica, they have all rock bands other than me. Right. I'm their comic. But they're and the ones that booked you at the Garden the first they, time. They booked me on all the arenas. Yeah. Okay, which which is over 300 arena shows. Right. Okay? So I still Crazy. have that in me, but I've gone through a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I got the fungus. Yep. That, and I got it in a way that, you know, if I didn't do what the doctors told me, I could have died. It's wow. that simple. Right. So I've gone through a lot of things, like, since the last five, six years. So... You know, doing like I'll be at the Golden Nugget, let's say next weekend. Right. That'll be about twenty five hundred people. I'll be at the State Theater uh, this weekend in Pennsylvania. That's a couple thousand people, and now I'm on sale at the Wiltern. You know, because when I came out to the Comedy Store and, and Peter Shaw, the owner, goes, "Would you give us a night?" You know, I go, "Well, all I got is like next week." You know, yeah. like Friday night. And the show sold out, I don't know, a couple minutes. Yeah, the, main, sure. the main room. So now I'm on sale at the Wilton. But what started this whole thing is I would talk to my agents. I go, you know, these guys are all out there. They're doing the arena thing. I go, I don't know. You know, since I've been through stuff, all I do is train. I exercise. Even with Bill Burr, when he was going to do the baseball stadium, mm-hmm. you know, Fenway, you know, I remember him calling me. I was backstage at Park Theater. And I'm getting dressed to go on. Eleanor's already on stage. But I start telling him, I go, you know, 
the one thing you need to do when you're working out is build your lower body. I go, because the lights alone are gonna soak up your energy in 15 minutes. I go, so work on that, you know? So I go, you're talking about who knows how many thousands of people, you know? And, and, we, and we become friendly. So when he was at the, uh, oh, fuck, what the, bad? The Prudential yeah. Center yes. in Newark. Um, <laughs> I just like the call out for any information at any no, time. because I forget right there. the names. I know. Places. No, no, I places. I, new, yeah. So, you know, Sugar Plum tells me, hey, Bill Burr is going to be there, you know, mm -hmm. tonight. You know, it was a Saturday night. And I know the Bill Burr story with me. He came to see me when I did... Um, uh, in Boston, the Boston Centrum, I did three nights in a row. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I get banned off of MTV. People are going, oh, that's the end of him. And I went from one show in an arena to two and three a week. Well, I wanted to bring that up quickly. I'm happy you did. And it, because you were the first comic to effectively get canceled. And yeah. everybody, you know, it's such a common thing now. But everybody, like a Shane Gillis, is a great, it's the perfect example. I if love he gets, Shane. If he per, you know, so it gets canceled. Now he's on his way to do arenas and humongous yeah, theaters. Because you just get bigger if, if the cancellation is over bullshit. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't care. It was like yeah. I would just power through. That's it. So I do three nights at the Boston Centrum, which after this thing happened, Bill talked about on his podcast that he was second row from all the way in the nosebleeds mm -hmm. watching me at the Centrum. Okay. So what happened is I text Bill because, you know, Rodney is the guy that made me happen. It's mm -hmm. like the pecking order. Yes. You know, so I text him, like, would it be all right if I come tonight to see your show? Because I never go to comedy shows, mm -hmm. but I wanted to see him. And I told my girlfriend he's got that edge I like. I go, I'd love to see his whole show, you know. And I go, but if you don't want me there, if you think it's weird, I don't, I don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And he writes back that he does want me there. So Club Soda Kenny handles everything. We come in. Uh, I walk in. And I'm teasing my girlfriend all the way there. Because no matter where I go, I'm in a leather jacket. It might be one that I go out in, but I wear leather jackets. That's what I do. Right. You understand? I do. So, so all the way there, I'm going, ah, I haven't done an arena in nearly two and a half decades. And... So I could really suck her in sometimes. You know, she's not from here. She's from yeah. Texas. You know, a yeah. little gullible, you know. Yeah. And she goes, <laughs> you're not doing the show. This is his show, you know. And uh, she goes, I don't know. Maybe he would want you to introduce him. I, I don't know. But I don't think, you know, you're booked for the show. <laughs> but I commit, just like I do on stage, the more she's saying I'm not doing the show, the more I'm going... Oh, I'm so nervous. I don't know what I'll do up there. You know, now we get to the arena. Now the joke is on me because I walk into his dressing room. He gets up with the smile, you know, and he comes right over to me and he goes, you're going to do some time, right, Dice? Now my stomach sinks. Wow. Because I am not used to this. I am not expecting this. Right. It's not what I wanted that night. Had you even you know? been on stage recently before he yeah, asked you? Yeah, but, but, you know, not at that in level. front of 300 people, not right. 18,000. Sure. You know, 
And he goes, you got, so I use her line. I go, well, you know, if you want, maybe I'll, all of a sudden I'm vulnerable, yeah. you know. <laughs> I go, you know, maybe I could just go up and sort of introduce you, you know. And he goes, yeah, whatever you want to do. You want to do time, do time, whatever. And um, so now there's Club Soda introducing... Ladies and gentlemen, he's hilarious, by the way. The best club soda, <laughs> Kenny. No, but I have the same intro all the years, okay? But his first line before he says that line is, get ready to be starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> that it, it even loosened me up because yeah. I'm thinking, who's he talking about? <laughs> you know, and he goes... Ladies and gentlemen, the undisputed heavyweight comedy king, Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, that's the best And intro. the crowd exploded. Of course. You know, and they're not waiting for me, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I come up there, and honestly, I'm like taking in the crowd, and, and I killed the crowd for the 10 or 12 minutes I did, and then I gave Bill this great intro, and it was very heartfelt, and he's just... He's a wonderful guy. He's a very heartfelt guy. Yes. And so the next day, like, I couldn't believe I did it, you know. Uh, the next day, you know, I'm telling my girlfriend, I could have done two hours once I was up there. Mm -hmm. Right. She goes, but you see, now you know you can. You know, because mm -hmm. it's been eating at me. Like, why aren't I going after this anymore? Listen, no matter why you shave, Harry has got you covered for the best shave of your life at a price you'll love. From their legendary high-quality razors to skin products like exfoliating face wash and hydrating lotion, which Mike Cannon and I love, Harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag. That's what I like. I want to exfoliate for a low price, and I do it with Harry's. Harry's is, listen, a smooth shave, they shouldn't be rough on your wallet, okay? It should be affordable, and it should be good. That's why their starter set is a $13 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash chaos. If you go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com slash chaos, right now you will get a $13 value for $3. It includes a five-blade German-engineered razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover, they schedule delivery for refills, refills as low as $2, half of what you pay for other blades, okay? So, I mean, literally, just give it a shot. Use my promo code. You're going to get all your shaving needs covered because it's an amazing product, and it's literally so much cheaper. They got creams, washes, lotions that help keep your skin healthy and hydrated, sleek, ergonomic weighted handles that look great in your bathroom and give you precise control with each swipe. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they are still offering a no-risk a no trial. If you don't like your shave, no worries, babe. It's on them. They give you your money back. That's how great they are. Get your best shave ever this fall with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash chaos. That's harrys.com slash chaos for a $3 starter set. What's up, everybody? I want to talk to you about Factor. Factor, baby. Yeah, baby. That He just got eaten last night. Factor, folks, with the busy fall season, because it is busy. Fall season's getting busy. Pumpkin spice, everything, yummy, yummy, yummy in my tummy, on my gummies. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your dough. You'll save time and you will stay track on your healthy lifestyle. Level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection 
by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, succulent broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Your peas are going to smell great. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices. Right now, go to factormeals.com slash chaos50 and use the code chaos50 to get 50% off. That's code chaos50 at factormeals.com slash chaos50 to get 50% off. Yeah. You'll see as you get older, some, no matter how you work out, different things happen, age sets, you know, and I try not to become a horse. You know, I pick on certain guys in a crowd that they're this big. I go, how old are you? They look like they're 75, they're 50. Right. You know, so that's why I talk to you like you're in the cage now. Yes. You're working out like I've seen you both ways. So. I was happy when I came through the door and saw the shape you were in. Yeah. So you're working at it. And uh, I said, yeah. and it, it pays off to stay like that. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm like twice your age and I'm working at it. Like guys in the gym look at me and go, you're still in fucking beast mode. Yeah. I go, because that's what it's supposed to be. The <clears throat> mind rules the body, not the other way around. Yeah. So, so I do this show with Bill and now I call my agents and I'm like, we're going to do this again. We're going to go to arena status. Because number one, um, nostalgia is the biggest thing in the world. 100%. Right 100%. Okay. And I mean, you know, from celebrities on commercials to rebooting all these shows, it's all about nostalgia. And I, I hate to say it, but I'm nostalgia. Right. Only I'm not that old because. A lot of the guys that have made it are 50, 55 years old. They just made it later. I started when I was 20. You know. But what an incredible bit of self-awareness that not a lot of people who were like super duper famous during a certain during a certain decade and then are still working necessarily have about themselves. They're like, no, I'm actually as big as I have ever been right now, pure hot well, right I, now. I do see how the audiences respond to me mm -hmm. when I do shows. I mean, and I was never a guy that go, ah, oh, I got a standing ovation. But now, standing O going on, standing O going off. Yeah. Whether it's 300 people or 3,000. Right. Okay? So I talk to my agents. They start putting a plan together. But now I get a text. This is less than a month ago. Babe, was it less than a month ago? No, uh, close to two months now. Okay. Two months ago. All right. So I get a text on a Monday night. This is a couple of weeks after the bill thing from the road manager of Guns N' Roses. Now, years ago, I became friends with, that's why I'm going back to the Wiltern. Did I even mention I'm doing the Wiltern? Yeah, you're oh, yeah. doing the Wiltern. Yeah, that's November 15th, so buy your tickets. You see how Happy you Thanksgiving. You know, right. happy Thanksgiving. Dice Bang. is coming to L.A. Yeah. And I'm not in L.A. a lot, so that's why yeah. I'm doing it. Ladies, they, yeah, you can rub they, your turkey necks. They turned around. Uh, <laughs> I want to write one down. They turned Rub away your a couple, slither gizzards. Yes. No, but they, they turned away like a couple thousand people. Oh, yeah. shit. You know, from the comedy store. Yeah. Because it's 350 seats, the yeah. main room. So I said, all right, I got to come back. I got to do a decent sized show. So where should I go? Go to where you first did a concert, which is the Wiltern, where I became friends with Billy Idol, uh, Stallone, Bruce Willis, Cher, and Guns N' Roses come running over to me. 
and we became friends ever since then. And I wound up doing the Rose Bowl with them, you know, and it was either 92 or 93. So I get a text from the road manager going, congratulations. And congratulate, you know, they wanted me the very next night at the MetLife, which was close to 80,000 people, sure. you know. And, you know, even my girlfriend saw the way I was reacting, and she's totally behind me, but she goes, you know, you, you don't have, it's not like Bill's show, which is like 18, to, you know, it's, it's ridiculous numbers, you know. And she goes, you don't have to do it, but if you knew me better, I just said to her, I go, but I do have to do you it. You do have to do it. You know, what am I going to say? No, you have I'm to, going. The opportunities that present themselves, you have to do them. Because if you say no, that's just resistance and fear. You've well, got to do it. But also the switch, what Bill did, which he didn't know about, because I texted him like, you motherfucker, here we go, because of you now. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have no idea what you started. And um, so I show up there, and you just see in the stadium, which used to be the old giant stadium. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, and... Um, you know, and, wow. and all yeah, of a sudden, too. you know, here comes Duff, you know, into my dressing room. And, and, and Kerry was thrilled, like, well, this is real. You know, you, right. but you're not seeing anybody because you're in your dressing rooms. And mine was right next to his. And here comes his wife. And, you know, I was more concerned about the shirts. They were going to give me the merch right. <laughs> than, than the actual show at that moment. And um, so all of a sudden the road manager goes, all right, it's time. You know, and I even had Duff and his wife and Sugar Plum help pick the jacket I was going to wear. Yeah. Like he's stretching out, getting ready to go on, you know, and I'm in dressing room going, what about this one? Right. And they all decided on the same jacket. So as I'm walking, now I start hearing the crowd, like that hum yeah, yeah. Of, of, sure. a, of a football-sized crowd. You know, and I'm looking, now I'm seeing them. And I even filmed my, you see how I film yeah, everything. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, and I point to me, there's something wrong with you. You know, but then the <laughs> intro starts and they start yelling a little. And when I walked out, it was insanity. Mm. Again, an audience of about, like I'm saying in the 70,000 and something, don't know I'm coming out. No. And they went absolutely nuts. So now we've started this whole resurgence as a live performer. And that's why when you talk about places like the garden, I go, yeah, I'm going to go back there. Yeah. You know, because I started this thing on the Internet, which is, you know, like I call it the famous face because now the show is being pitched, you know, because... You know, I did an album years ago called The Day to Laugh to Die. Yeah, one of the best. You know, one of the best for comics. Yeah. That's a, we have to I, listen I wanted to, to ask about Which Rick I never Rubin. listened to it. Still to this day, To never. this day, never listened to the whole. I've heard bits and pieces. So it's a masterpiece. I laugh, yeah. I laugh when comics say how much they love it. Yeah. I've heard pieces of it, but I don't have patience to listen to this. Hour and 42 minutes. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing how you know that. Yeah. I just wanted to do the ultimate late night set yeah. without having any material at a time where I was doing 80,000 yeah. people a week.
Yeah. You know, that, and I was working with uh, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Sure. You know, who Legend. Was, who was just game. Created what, what, rap. What much. exactly what was his like contribution? Like, was he a vibe setter? Did he have the idea for the late night set? Or how did he? You know, we really understood each other. And Rick is a guy that always loved doing something different. Mm-hmm. So after we did some high powered albums, it was like, what can we do that would be something interesting and different? And I go, why not do the ultimate late night set? Yeah. Like when, you know, when he saw me, he saw me at the Laugh Factory in front of like 15 people, you know, that when he first came over to me at Greenblatt's in between my sets, yeah. this is before the Laugh Factory went big. They, right. had, they could only seat 80 people. Yeah. And I was at Greenblatt's, Getting a coffee in between coffee, in between <laughs> doing sets there, and here comes this guy with the beard. He's never changed, you know. With yeah. his attorney, you know, and he's coming over to me, and I'm with this screenplay writer. His name, uh, his name was Mark Carducci, I think. Yeah. And um, and the guy goes, "Yeah, can I talk to you?" Like he's low key, Rick. You know. Right. I go, yeah, what, what? You know, what do you want? Like, I wanted to blow him off. Like, get out of here. Right, Brooklyn. You know, exactly. Like, I'm seeing this guy in his sweats with the long beard. Like, get the fuck out of here. What do you want from me? Yeah. And the writer I'm with goes, aren't you Rick Rubin? So I'm looking at the writer going, he goes, he created rap, basically. Run DMC, walk this way. Yeah. And Rick goes, yeah, and I want to do an album with you. And this is my attorney, Peter Paterno. And I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to go back. I want to see your second show. But I'm uh, going to make you an album deal. And I'm looking at the writer going, and the writer's going, you don't understand. Your career just got made. Mm. And you were going to tell the guy, get the fuck out of here? (laughs) Like, why would you do that? You oh, know? you weren't. You hadn't done the guard or anything like that no, by the time no, laughter, no. the day the laughter died. No, see, that, I thought. Okay, I thought you had already. No, see, the album came out around the same time. Well, this is great. I, I was building my acting career, and I was doing Crime Story for Michael Mann, which I don't know if you know that show. Mm-mm. That show made David Caruso, mm-hmm. Dennis Farina. Tony Dennison, Kevin Spacey, Ted Levine. Wow. All actors that made Michael Madsen. And, and, and I, I played a gangster in that show. Okay, so that show lasted two years on, it was either ABC or NBC, I forget. So, and Michael Mann did, you know, Miami Vice. Sure. Plus various movies. So I filmed the Rodney special, and Rodney, when I saw the edit, I, I told him it stinks, you know, it just, it's awful. He goes, okay, man, I'll tell you what, why don't you go inside and you edit it with the director? And he let me do that, and then it was perfect, mm-hmm. you know. Because yeah. when I came off the stage after the first taping, I came over to my family, I look at my father, and I go, I don't even need to be here tomorrow night. I'm the biggest comic in the world. You know, we just got to wait for the world to see it now. Right. But the way it was edited by the director was no good. Right. So he let me edit it. He goes, you're happy now, man. Okay. 
you know, and I go, yeah, it's, it's great that I even took out an ad two days before the special ad, the Rodney Dangerfield special, basically telling the entire industry, you know, it says, I never studied much in school, but when I turn, and it was full page. Right. I was half the page, a picture, sitting like on a chair backwards, you know, with that attitude look. And I said, I never studied much in school, but when I turned on the tube and I start naming all the idols, Elvis the King, Buddy Rich with Hands Like Lightning, Travolta sang and danced, just this whole list. And at the end, it goes, Murphy and Pry are both great, no doubt, but in 88, it's Dice Thou Shout. You know, I never studied much in school, but I did study. You know, and I wrote Rodney Dangerfield special, Saturday night, and what time? And that's, you want to talk about having balls and facing the whole industry, because I knew what was about to happen. I always just knew. So before that ad comes out, like three months earlier, Michael Mann goes, you know, we're probably going to cancel Crime Story. It's just not getting the ratings. So I talk him into going for coffee with me in Vegas. Right. We're filming in Vegas, like the movie Casino. That's where right. Crime Story was. Right. And, um, and I'm playing like the De Niro part in that show. Mm -hmm. So Michael Mann puts me in his car, Camaro. I'm in a cast from the waist up because you know how they blew De Niro up in the movie Casino? Yeah. They blow me up in Crime Story. So I'm in a body <laughs> cast. And he's making me like wobble driving through the desert. This is 35 years ago, you know, before all the hotels, yeah. you know. Yeah. We go to the pepper mill. I'm smoking through the cast. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, you can't cancel the show. And he goes, and you got to understand, Michael Mann's in his mid-40s at the time. Right. I'm just a kid. I'm 29 years old, you know. And he goes, all right, tell me why I can't cancel the show. He's basically laughing in my face. I go, listen, I'm going to tell you a little secret. You give me a couple months, I'll be the biggest star in the world. He goes, oh, really? How's that going to happen? You know, he's laughing. You know, I go, I just filmed this Rodney Dangerfield young comedian special. And when it airs, I'm going to be the biggest name in the world, like a pop star. Right. You know, and he goes, look, Dice, he goes, I love you as an actor. I think you have a career as an actor. But he goes... The show's just not getting the ratings, you know. So I wish you a lot of luck with the, 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 the skit that you did for Rodney. I go, no, you just don't. See, he pulled me off an audition tape from this casting lady, uh, Bonnie Timmerman, who was giant casting woman in Hollywood. Right. He knew nothing of my stand-up. He just liked me for this character because I auditioned from the script, you know. Right. So he had no idea what was about to happen because if he would have waited, Crime Story would have been on it because I blew through the roof. The show aired on a Saturday night, and I was the biggest comic in the world on Monday. Wow. I was in arenas within months of doing from, from 200 seat clubs to arena shows. So I run into Michael Mann, I don't know, two years into it at a party. And we're hanging out, you know, and he's going, well, let me ask you something. What would you think 
if some young actor came over to you and you're the producer of, you know, Miami Vice, and he named some of the movies he did at the time, which were big movies, he goes, wouldn't you laugh in that face too? And I go, yeah, yeah you got a point. <laughs> you know, how yeah. are you going to know? Like, like who says, you know, mm. give me three months, I'll be the biggest star in the world. Yeah. It sounds childish. Yeah. Right. You know, and um, so, yeah, that, that's what happened. I just knew what was going to happen from the Rodney special. I think that's everything in life. My daughters, that's what I try to talk to my kids about all the time, is just be confident. Just believe that you can do it, yeah, and then and, maybe you can. And that's how I feel about you. Yeah. So when we were having that little texting conversation, I'm like, doesn't this guy know how good he is at what he does? Yeah, I, I, you know. I think I think at times I get my confidence. I always go give it 100%, but at times I think some of my process is just to be like, it's almost sometimes motivates me to think like how, uh, how, like how many problems I have and how like maybe this is a fluke or that is a fluke. And I always try to like prove it to myself each night that I'm not. Um, That's a good way to look at it, though, that freaking out is actually just part of your process. It's just part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it, it you, just goes hand in hand. You know what? I get nervous before I go on stage to yeah. this day. Right. But I know what I'm going to do when I go out there. Right. You know, and you have proven yourself and you are probably, you know, thousands. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah. You, no, it's just funny because I know you're familiar with him, but not with me. And it's no, just, but, it, but it's you funny. are calm and you open yeah, to yeah. him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Radio City with him. Yeah. 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 So yeah. how'd you feel? I felt like the similar to your birth story, I could have done an hour, and it gave me a concrete goal to strive for now. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. oh, I want to do that again. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now, because now with comedy too, comedy is, is different. It's so many people do it now. It's become like, a thing where it's like it used to be like when you were doing comedy when you first started it was like you were the only one in a 200 square mile right now it's like there's 10 people in my building that do comedy <laughs> so yeah. it's like fame has lost its luster it's not about even it's about being niche well, it, now. it's done differently now now it's done with the followers with the podcasting right you know it takes all that stuff do you think it's harder now or easier um to quote unquote make it in our business. It's not about making it. It's about, see, when I would do all those arenas, I was constantly on TV. Not, and I don't mean me personally, news, you know, you know, Entertainment Tonight, all those kind of shows always talking about what this shock comic is doing. You know, today, you could become gigantic. You could do 10 nights at the garden and walk down the street and nobody knows you. Right. It's like the best of all worlds. Yes. You know, because, you know, you could have a podcast with just millions of people and they're coming to see you, but you go to the mall and nobody looks. Right. right. Yeah. You know, it, it's that way. Or you can become, you know, like Kevin Hart's career, for instance. He's a guy that... When he made it, got into the movies. Yeah. So everybody knows what he's doing. But there are guys I hear about that I never knew about, and they're just great at what they do, and they got 9 million followers. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah, so they yeah. could go on a gigantic tour. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, with me, you know, from that album, The Day the Laughter Died, which people are walking out on me, and it became like my biggest album. You know, it went gold in four days after I told, after I was told it's going to ruin my career. So now with my Instagram and TikTok, 
I started doing what I call the day the laughter died live, where I go over to people. You seen the Instagram? Of course. Where I go over, I go, uh, are you the one waiting for me to get the picture? Yeah. And they're looking like, I have no idea who you are. Like, right. <laughs> like, walk away from me. And it's just hilarious. Yeah. Because, so now that show will become a show on television. Yeah, be, you because, know? because and that's the beauty of like finding the new mediums. Because like when I told I was at the house last night, I was like, "Oh, Andrew Dice Clay is coming on," and one of my girlfriend's nephews was there, and he's eighteen. He's like the guy from Instagram. That's what he knows you from. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 the guy from the Garden and yeah. from all these albums. Yeah. And he's like, "No, I seen him on Instagram." I so that's it. what the and kids do. That I, entourage, I'm yeah, sure you I got love, a bunch well, of that. Entourage blew me up again. Yeah, you yeah. know, and the and the creator Doug Allen, who I love. You know, when, when he talked to me about Entourage, was at a club called the Soho Club in L.A., which might as well have been a scene from Entourage. Right. You pay who knows how much a year to just be able to go up there on Sunset. Oh, the, the Soho House. Yeah, the Soho. Yeah. Yeah. So we're sitting there, and he's going, tell me about where you've been for the last 10, 12 years. And I started telling him about my life, you know. Where were you in those 10, 12 years? Well, that's when I was, you know, more concerned about my kids than my career. Right. So I start telling him all this stuff. And he goes, all right, let me tell you something. I think you're the greatest comic, hands down, ever. You know, and I always say to people, you know, because I think you're hysterical. Oh, thank you. I don't know what this guy does. <laughs> He's great. I'm going to watch him. Yeah. He wouldn't Clip be opening for you if he wasn't great. I'm just messing <laughs> with it. You know, you know. So, you know, I'll always say to people, I go, I'm not the funniest comic ever. I go, there's a lot. There's so many really hysterical comics. I lay in bed with her at night afterwards, you know. Yeah. Afterwards. And, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I'm not allowed to have a romantic I'm a, life. I'm a big fan of anything you do. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't back up. I hear you. You understand? Yeah. So when when you're how old are you? I'm 38. Yeah, so you're just warming up as far as the whole sex thing. <laughs> oh so, no, this so, is the warm up. Man. So so what I'm saying is, and we'll watch comedians mm -hmm. on, on the TikTok. Like she was playing this fucking guy. Uh, what's his name again? The guy I love again now. Kyle Dunnigan. Oh, Kyle Dunnigan is a, a, uh, a genius. I was screaming. I was kicking my feet when he did the Bill Maher thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so and, and he's talking about, and he's doing like green eggs and ham. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking about the book is a lie. You know? Yeah. There is no God. Yeah. You know? Oh, he was just so great. And I'm screaming. I go, play it again. Yeah. Play it again. Like, I'll watch it three and four times. So I watched. These newer comics, see, I love, I love, I used to not like comics because comics when I was coming up were no fucking good. They would stab you in the back. Today, right. comics help each other. Mm. Sure. They do each other's podcasts, you know, they do each other's shows. Yeah. You know, when I was coming up, you could be hanging with your best friend in the back of the comedy store, and then your best friend gets a commercial and he sucks now. Right. Now you hate him. Yeah. It's different today. Yeah. So I love the newer guys. Um, I met some great guys out at, at when I did uh, the Mothership. Oh, you Austin, know. Joe Rogan's it, club. Yeah, which is I don't know if you've done it yet. Yes, but you I should. Have. It's yes. an amazing club. It's like the comedy store in Austin. 
Right. With all the comics when I was there, Roseanne came, yeah. um, uh, McFadden, uh, the taller guy what? that I like. Norman? Who? Mark Norman? Mark Love them. I well, love yeah. these. But they're fun to hang up. Hinchcliffe? Tony Hinchcliffe, great. Please. Kill Number Tony. one, I, I'll, I'll never do that show because I'm not about murder. Right. So I don't do that. But <laughs> I love him. Yes. Because his ego reminds me of me when I was a kid. Yeah. He just absolutely loves being Tony Hinchcliffe that... I think he bought this condo, and he did a showing of it for comics. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you are ever injured, which could happen, injuries happen, folks, accidents happen, you have to contact Morgan and Morgan as the firm that's going to re represent you, okay? Morgan, listen, Morgan and Morgan is easy, okay? Not being able to dance in a Puerto Rican family, that's hard. Okay. Being a vegan in a Puerto Rican family, that's hard. Being a white man trying to date a Puerto Rican woman, that's hard. Morgan and Morgan, easy, folks. It's so, so, so easy. All you got to do, first of all, people's age 15 to 24, they got the highest rate of emergency room visits due to car accidents of all age groups. So bang right there. Morgan and Morgan has been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Okay, for over 35 years. And I told you submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is super, super, super easy. Like I said, if you're ever injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Okay, their fee is free unless they win. Okay, and let me tell you something. Winners win. And Morgan & Morgan are winners. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash chaos or dial pound law. That's pound 529 from your cellular device. That's F-O-R, the people, slash chaos, or pound law, 529 from your cell. Of course, this is a paid advertisement. ShipStation, make ship happen. If you are running a business and you are not using ShipStation to export all your different needs, I guarantee you, you're probably an asshole, and, you're, and, and the business you're running isn't doing as well as it could be because you're not delegating enough tasks. Let, let ShipStation just do everything for you, okay? that We use it here. We use it. We love ShipStation. They mail stuff out. It's make They make it so simple. It's so easy to, all you got to do is do a quick trial, quick setup. ShipStation, they let you just try out their products. They guarantee that you're going to love it or else they give you your money back. They're just awesome. They manage orders. They print labels, compare rates. They optimize every shipment. They automate delivery notifications. ShipStation has enterprise solutions that reduce warehouse costs and improve profitability. If you're running a business, you want one thing, profits. ShipStation helps you get those profits and you can set your business up for holiday season success with ShipStation, a lot of people, everybody's ordering everything, okay? Nobody's going to the store anymore. I, in my new place, I got a Target a block away. I'm going to order stuff from the Target to my house. That's just how I roll, okay? ShipStation makes all these things easier when you're the business. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce business with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. You can get discounts up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates. So go do it. Go to ShipStation.com. Use the promo code CHAOS today. Sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com. Code CHAOS. Sign up today for your free 60-day trial. And at the end of those 60 days, see where I've moved. 
I wanted to ask you too, because I, I know, you know, we're getting along here, about, you know, with Sam Kinison, how you guys were, because Sam Kinison was one of my favorite comics. I loved Gr Sam. And you guys were, were very close and then had a bit of a falling out, but then did you get back to being well, friends before he passed he, away? I always say the same thing. He was having a feud with himself. Right. You know, because Sam was great, and me and Sam used to be on at the comedy. Number one, we became friends because I lived up in Crest Hill, which was the famous house that the owner of the comedy store owned, and she didn't live there. It came with the comedy store. Spanish-style house. I had the room right off the kitchen, which would be the maid's room right. if a family lived there. The entire room was red. Right. You know, because that was the colors of the comedy store. Yeah. So when I moved in, Yakov Smirnov, who also lived in the house, the Russian comic, was told to paint the room. Right. So it had red carpet, <laughs> red walls, red furniture. God. The only thing that was white was the toilet and the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, if I liked a girl, I would give her the honor to bathe me. You know, <laughs> while yes. I smoked cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know, and then, uh, honey, you got to close your ears. So then I would bang these girls yes. and just tell them as I played disco music on my boombox how I'm going to be the biggest comic in the world. Right. You know. Beautiful. It was just one after the other. It was right. a good time. Right. So, so anyway, so Sam and me, when he came out to L.A., I, I love what he did immediately. And we would go and we would steal food late at night from uh, the Mayfair grocery on Santa Monica Boulevard. Like we'd steal like either pork chops or lamb chops because nobody had money. How would you steal them? You'd just stuff it in your pants. Oh, easy. And I would pay for a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> and we'd walk out of the place. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd go up to Crest Hill and we'd barbecue because it was a big Spanish-style house. Tom Wilson lived there, wow. who became Biff in all the Back to the Futures. Mm. Um, uh, Dan, uh, what's his name from? The class, head of the class, that show Duh. years ago. Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Dan, I, Dan Frischman. Oh, okay. Lived in the house. You know, so all these different... So Sam used to come up there, you know, and I could remember... A, a night where we hung out there, and I always tell the story by going, I don't take any credit for Sam. Sam was a brilliant comic, came up with great stuff. But what used to bother me is that he'd get into the screen too fast. Mm -hmm. And what Sam liked about me was the slow-moving attitude of Dice. Right. So, so one night we're up there, and I go, all right, we're going to work on the beginning of the act. You know, when you first come to the stage, which is hilarious. I'm laughing about it now. I go, so I would, you know, I'd come up. I go, and you're all smiles. You got your glasses on, you light a cigarette, and you welcome them. Right. Hi, big smile. How's everybody feeling tonight? Good. I'm doing my version of it, you know. Right. I bet you enjoyed a lot of the comics here tonight. I bet you'll even want to come back and see some of them again. And then I go, and then the smile goes. I go, but you see, I'm 
My name's Sam. Sam Kennison. And I could promise you people one thing about me. You're going to wish to God you never, and then you go into it. Right. I go, but up to that point, I go, I go, but the joke is when your face goes severe, because he liked my acting stuff. He right. came out to L.A. I did some B-movies. Right. So he already knew me. I go, when your face goes severe, all you're saying is, but my name's Sam. What's so severe about that? You know? Yeah. That's like people going, why? Why? You know, saying right. his name all of a sudden just goes from a big smile right. to a deadpan, like like he's going to, you know, go, you know, yeah. kill people. Yeah. Right. So next thing you know, here comes Yako Smirnoff. I didn't know he's sleeping upstairs. Because back then, who goes to sleep before 3, 4? Right. I still stay up till 3. She comes out of the bedroom. I'm telling. Get, comes out. Uh, when are you coming to bed? I look over at the bed. What do you care? <laughs> I tell my girlfriend, I go, I'm a man. Yeah. I could stay up all night if I want. Like, I, well, you really should. This is even last night. You know, you're going to do DeStefano. I go, yeah, I'll be wide awake. I guarantee you I'll be awake for his show. Yeah. You know, I got to come to bed when she's telling me. <laughs> I love staying up late. But especially back then, I'm up all night. You know, right. I used to go into the next day a lot of times. So I'm doing this thing with Sam because now Sam gets up to do the routine nice and slow and now he really knew how to scream. Right. Because he was like a preacher before yes. that, mm. you know. So here comes Yaka. Andrew! Andrew! I go, yeah, what, Yak? You know, is, is anything okay down there? I go, come downstairs. I go, where do you meet this fucking guy, Sam? You know, <laughs> you know. And uh, next thing you know, we got Yakov at the table doing the routine of, hi, how's everybody feeling? With the Russian accent. Right. Now, all of a sudden, here comes Carl LeBeau, uh, the, these two comics, um, Fred Asparagus and Joey Gaynor. And we had a big dining room up at Crest Hill. So now we're all seated there, and it was like, you know how when you do row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, the next yeah. guy starts. As you're going merrily, merrily. Yes. The next guy's row, row. Yeah. So we all took turns. Like I'd get up, hi, how's everybody feeling? But the minute you go, but you see, my name's Sam, the next guy starts. So all of a sudden, you got eight guys at a kitchen table screaming the beginning of his act. <laughs> and then the next night, the same guys are at the comedy store watching them do it. Wow. And it was phenomenal. And I remember when Sam took off. See, we would like like be back to back every night at the comedy store, like the last two acts of the mm -hmm. night, and it was hysterical. One night he comes in, he throws a chair at me, you know, <laughs> and he jumps over the table, and we're fighting, and the whole store empties out. The twenty people that are left, and we're just laying there laughing, like we emptied the fucking store. You know how great that was? Yeah. Because he'd come in and die. And he just throw a chair, yeah. you know. And then you know, like, what's going on? You run out of the store, right? So it was a lot of fun times. And when when he got Saturday Night Live, I was thrilled. And I came over, I hugged him outside. I go, you see, 
it can be done. Right. It could be different, and you can get there. Now, at that time, I had already gotten Crime Story. So it wasn't a competition thing. Sam now became that comic, mm-hmm. you know, and he was doing four or 5,000 seaters. No problem. He was the guy. When my career took off, you know, um, you know, I just zoomed right by him. I became the arena guy, you know, and Sam wasn't doing arenas. Mm-hmm. I think he did it when, uh, 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 when Stern did a pay-per-view, he had Sam do it with him, right. something like that. But, you know, he didn't do an arena tour. And he, would ju- he just went nuts. He just couldn't handle how my career went to a level uh, wh- where, where he probably never even dreamed of. Right. You know, I saw myself becoming the biggest thing ever. I saw the Elvis comedy image. You know, I saw all of that. I would talk to my parents about because if I was going to make it, I was just going to be the biggest ever because I didn't even care about comedy. Mm. You know, I cared about the acting world. I figured become the biggest comic in the world and then become one of the biggest actors in the world. I don't know why I think like that, but it was just simple in my head. So it's what I geared. But he couldn't handle it. And then when his career was like really down, you know, he's calling me. You know, he had a brother that committed suicide, right. you know, and I felt terrible. And when I saw him at a Bon Jovi concert, I just wanted to tell him that. And he walked by me looking at the floor. I was like, motherfucker, you know. Right. Like, one thing got nothing to do, you know. So so when he called me, my father called me, my father ran. I mean, Sandy Gallen was my manager, and mm-hmm. David Geffen put out the albums, and Barry Diller with Fox gave me my movie deal. But I didn't make a move without my dad. We always dreamed, production company. So I didn't make a move without him. So my father calls me. I had a house in Brooklyn at the time. And um, he goes, Kennison just called here looking for you. So I figured, all right, I'll call him back. You know, and I only called him back for one reason. I wanted to tell him how bad I felt, you know, with his brother. And I go, and he's going, we got to do a bus tour. You did it. You beat me. I go, it had nothing to do with you. Right. You know, I wasn't trying to beat anybody. I was just trying to become Mm. what I am. I go, but I got to tell you, I don't need you for anything. Right. You bring nothing to the table. You know, because honestly, if I wanted to do 10 nights at the Garden, I could have. When I did the Brendan Byrne Arena, that sold out in less than an hour. I think it was 41 minutes, which was the biggest arena in the country at the time. It was 21,500 seats. Where was that? Uh, right across from Giant Stadium. Okay. So my agent calls me, the same agent I'm with today, same agency, and he goes, you want to go across the street? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, Giant Stadium. And I go, I can't do it. Wow. Because I didn't think I'd live through it. I had so many death threats at that time and just too many people to control, you know, so I, I just didn't do it, you know. And, yeah, we got bomb threats at the arenas, all wow. kinds of shit I went through. When my son Max was born, mm-hmm. I had two armed guards with Glocks, two on the mother, two on the baby, and the, where they keep the, the babies. Mm. In the, what yeah. is that called? The... 
The nursery. Uh, the nursery. The nursery. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty four hours. You do, know. Do you do you think if Sam Kinison was still alive, you guys would have repaired your friendship by now? Yeah. For sure, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I used to have fun with him, you know. Right. But once again, you know, drugs and alcohol, that's what it'll get you. When you Some people come through it, but a lot of them don't. don't and is it. that worth the price? Right. When you, when, when you had your son, did it make you even want to try to hit it even bigger? Or were you saying to yourself, I, gotta, I don't want to go on any more world tours because I want to be with the kids? I remember the minute he was born holding him in a blanket going... Your father's the filthiest comic in the world. And I got it on film. I got everything on film. Right. You know, and um, no, I, I, I hit the level with comedy that I wanted to hit. Because I made it in 89, 88 going, 88, 89 area. So I was, all, I already did the Dice Rules tour. You know, we were doing so many tours, I couldn't come up with names quick enough. So I did a tour called To the Max. You know, yeah. You know, dice to the max, which was my son's name is Max. Sure. So, yeah, I, I, it was, it was really about now. Let's get into the acting thing, which, being the first of a cancel culture, let's say, you know, slowed the acting career down for years. I got, mm. I got, blackballed in Hollywood. But you know, Fox paid me off on movies I never did. You know. Um, Caralco had to finish my concert film that I started with Fox, so they bought it and finished it. Um, all I would get was like these B type of movies, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until Doug Ellen said, coming back to that, he goes, I'm giving you this season of Entourage, the last season, and wait till you see what it does for your career. That's you awesome. know, and nobody was more right. <clears throat> Because, number one, I, I, I came out with a book called uh, The Filthy Truth, Simon & Schuster, which Doug did the, uh, the, the opening, the, uh, the thing. Yeah, forward, yeah. What? Forward. Forward. The free log. The, oh, yeah, the thing that goes before you oh, start Oh, yeah, the like book. he yeah, wrote yeah. a thing. Like a recommendation. About, you know, saying about, you know, right. where he was, where, where people remember where they were when they saw Dice, and uh, so we did the book, and then here come some of the greatest director, right? Uh, you know, uh, Woody Allen and, you know, Scorsese. So yeah. now I'm getting to do the kind of parts I always wanted to do. Then I get Dice, the TV show. On top, I did another special called Indestructible, which I did with my sons, which they got to play the opening number that aired yeah. on Showtime. Yeah. Called, called Outlaw, and uh, yeah, because they have a band still Rebel, right? You know, so so they do that, you know, and then I get, and this is funny, I get a Star Is Born, okay, which was the ultimate. Uh, Did you audition for that, or they just gave it no, to you? This was hilarious because I, I uh, my manager at the time gets me a meeting with Bradley Cooper, mm -hmm. okay who I met at the Troubadour when Guns N' Roses got together, which that's a whole lot. I helped put that band back together, okay? Right. And I was thrilled about it because my son Max, who plays drums, since he was 15, he'd always say, you know you're the only one that could put that band back together. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no agenda. You know, managers, attorneys, they all have an agenda. You just love the guys. Yeah. 
And it started when I saw Slash in Australia, which was my first and only Australian tour. I'm there five minutes up at the top of some building in Sydney having breakfast. And Eleanor goes, is that Slash? So I come over to him out on the porch, he's smoking a cigarette. And I go, uh, you mind if I smoke over here? And he like, dice, yeah. you know? And I'm going, how you doing? And we start talking and I go, I told him I'm touring, you know, Australia, I'd never done it. And I go, what are you doing here? You know, and he goes, well, I'm gonna play the national anthem today at their uh, soccer game, whatever they, football, but it's soccer. Yeah, yeah, You know, it's weird. So I look at him, because I'm standing there and he's sitting, I go, oh, that's big, you know. <laughs> And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, you're one of the greatest guys on earth and you're playing the, for a, a ball game. For what? Because Axel showed up late. You can't like put this to bed somehow. Yeah. I go, you're the greatest band, you know. You know, I go, and I go, and you know what's funny? Besides the millions of people that would want to see you again, what about the new millions of people? Right. I go, so because he showed up late, you're out here playing baseball, whatever the fuck? And then we hung out that night. We talked about it more. And then when I got back to the States, I called Duff, and he came to see my boys perform. So the next day, I'm with Duff and the road manager sitting at Starbucks, you know, having a nice coffee, by the way. And, talk, and talking about, all right, what has to happen that everybody gets together? Because they need Slash. And the road manager, Tom Mayhew, was saying, well, you know, he's, Slash just got to put out some positive tweets. Because, you know, they would like pick it, you know, you yeah. know, right. Yeah. You know, they would fight like on Twitter. All these guys fight, you know, not just them, everybody. Right. So... He basically put out like that Axel was one of the greatest front men ever. And that was it, band back together. So Dang. I was at that first show at the Troubadour, a club show, where Axel wound up, I think, breaking his ankle, but you didn't know it. And we're up in the VIP thing, you know, and as I'm leaving, you know, it's a small club, the Troubadour. Yeah. You ever been there? No, but I've okay, heard. But it's, a, you know, it's like the whiskey. It's like that, you know. Yeah. So as I'm leaving, I'm passing Bradley Cooper, and I go, by the way, you were great in Sniper. And his mother grabs me and goes, not so fast. Where are you going? She goes, you don't know what you mean to our family. Vic, you're going to love this. <laughs> you're from Philly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, South Philly. So she goes, we came to the Spectrum twice to see you. Wow. And I go, oh, that's great. And this is his mother. And I go, but really, I just want to say, I think you're a great actor. Mm. Next thing you know, I'm doing my own TV show for Showtime called Dice. Which was great. And my manager, who didn't give a fuck about anybody, he, he was great, you know, uh, Bruce Rubenstein, he's, he goes over to our showrunner, okay? And he said... And Bruce is also from, like, where we're from, yeah. you know. And uh, Staten Island, that kind of right. attitude, right. you know. And he goes, uh, I need you to 
get in touch with Todd Phillips because he was one of the producers. Mm -hmm. He goes, you're going to write to him. It was threatening, basically. He basically threatened him to tell Todd Dice has to be in the movie somehow. Wow. So he sends him this email basically saying, uh, Dice is this weirdly great actor. So all of a sudden we get a call. Bradley Cooper wants to sit with me. Okay, because he met me at the Troupe. You right. know, so I, and all I talked about were my sons. For three hours we're sitting there. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. You know? yeah. I take out that CD. I'm playing that music. Because he's going to be a guitarist, singer on his way down. Star is born. The next day I get a text. Will you go say hello to Lady Gaga? She's recording music for the movie. And, uh, and he goes, and I'll meet you there. But he gives time, gives me time to be with her alone. And, you know, I, I, you know, the minute I walked in to say hello, her team parts like the Red Sea in the studio. Wow. And we're talking about being on tour. And I say, you know, I used to do like what you would do. And she knew all about it. Her father, Joe, he's a big fan, you know. But now I start getting mad at the drummer. I got a bad temper, you know. <laughs> and and I go, what, what what is this guy playing? You know, like, what, what what kind of setup does he have? So I go in there, you know, to the drummer. I go, what is this? What, what, what are you using a crash cymbal as a ride cymbal? This is going to be a giant movie. Get up, you know, <laughs> you know. Get I go, up. I'm going to show you how this song needs to be played. And all of a sudden her, you know, I guess assistant with the iPad is behind me. And I play the song for the drummer the way it's meant to be played. And she's got that. I'd love to see that one day. So as this is happening, here comes Cooper. Right. You know, and watching this, like, what is this? You know? Yeah. And uh, he says, um, let's go in another studio, just the three of us. You know, it was a big studio in Hollywood. So he goes, all right, Dice, I just want to try some scenes. I go... You know, Bradley, I, I didn't read the script yet. You know, it's a thick script. You know, I don't, I don't really like to read scripts. Yeah. I don't even really like being on a set. And uh, he goes, let's just try a fun scene. You're in the kitchen. You're having your morning coffee that you're always talking about coffee, you know. And uh, it's just fun, father-daughter stuff. And, and the scene, and it was really good. He goes, okay. I want to get a little heavy. Talk to her about being her father. I'm like, what about it? You know, he goes, no, like, I don't know, something happened, you know, so it's heavier, you know, but tell her how you feel about her. So I start to get into it, but I can't, because, and I go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know why I can't do it. And I'm wearing this two, it looks like a two-gun holster, but it's a bag where I carry my wallet, my phone's on one side. It's like a two-gun. Yeah. I'd call it two-gun. So I take it off. So now I start again, and I look at him, and he's on the floor, just laying, you know, like this, looking. And I go, you know, Bradley, forget it. You know, I just can't, you know, I'm not feeling anything. You yeah. know? And he's going, and I go, wait a minute. I go, wait a minute. 
I take off, I'm wearing glasses similar to this. Right. And now I take the glasses off. Now I don't have glasses. Right. I don't have a cigarette in my hand. Right. I don't have the two gun. Two minutes later, I got her head in my chest. Tears are coming off my face. And, I, and we're just in it, you know, telling her how much I love her, you know. And Bradley pops up. He goes, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it with you. Right. After you sat with me about your children, look at that. You're crying. Yeah. You know, I go, I'm crying because I can't believe I, I'm holding Gaga in my arms. <laughs> you know, but, but he knew I was in the scene, you know, and they laughed like you did. And now she goes, it was great meeting you. And she was crying, you know, and she went back to work. And I'm like, uh, because I got no patience. I didn't care anymore. After I worked with Scorsese, I just didn't care. Right. You know? And I go, so what do you want to do? You know? I showed you what you needed to see, right? He goes, yeah, but, you know, it's... You got to give me a minute, you know? See, right. This is a big, big movie. There's a lot of people involved. As they say, there's a lot of moving parts. You yes. know, the corporate world, you know? So... Obviously, the next day, I don't hear for it's Sunday. And Monday night, about 8 o'clock, he calls me. And my sons are like, pick the phone up. Like, I don't want to pick it up, you know. Yeah. Because I'm afraid of what he's got. And I pick it up. I talk to him. And he goes, I want to offer you the part as Lorenzo, uh, Stephanie's father. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I, it blew my mind. Third billing, you know. So ever since I've done that... I, I really don't really care about the acting world, and I really got really back into the the stand-up. That's why I'm doing like the will turns. Right, and, but I don't think know. I don't think you've ever really cared, right? Like you've always no, put the I work do in. Care. And, no, but I'm saying, but like you you have never let. I don't think from the beginning it sounds like anything deter you. You've never been like if if this doesn't happen, I'm like nothing has been a make or break for you. You've always been like no matter what happens, I'll just be okay. Yeah, I love when I see now that I've done like a, a guns and roses because when you do something like that, you got you know just tens of thousands of people sending that out. See, that's sure. where that's where the internet helped. Yeah. So on all my posts, no matter what. Welcome back. We knew you'd be back. Right. You know, even though I'd been working all the years, I never quit the business. Right. You know, I just would, you know, I'd get rid of a publicist, let's say. I don't need publicity unless I'm doing like a Star is Born type of movie. That's right. where you want that stuff. But now I'm just, you see, when I did the GNR show, there was a woman I met in Duff's dressing room after the show. And she was from People Magazine. Right. Okay? And I love People pictures. Magazine. I always but, wanted to be on Faces well, in the I Crowd. Well, I really love them now because two days later, there's this write-up of me and People, which wow. now goes across the world because yeah. it's not just a magazine. It's on Internet. You know, so that's why all of this has now become, you know, like the live thing. And I'm just finding it uh, to be a very exciting time. So... Yeah, uh, I want to build up, go do not just the garden, all the arenas again, yeah. you know, plus do the famous face, which, like I say, we're meeting with all these producers on doing what I'm doing on my phone, but only as a real show. Right. 
you know, and just keep thrilling people comedically. I think we really need comedy out there now. 100%. You know, we're, we're living in tougher times, as we all know. Uh, not going to get into that, but we all know it. I get it. So, uh, you know, I see when people are writing to me, Dice, we need you now more than ever. Because that's the job. Get up there and make them forget. Just make them laugh. Make them enjoy themselves. Give them an hour of just losing themselves. Right. You know, and that's what I love to do. Beautiful, man. And that's what you're doing. And that's what you're doing. In your own way, you're doing it. <laughs> yes. Know? Vinny's in, doing it. In South, in South Philly. South Philadelphia, born and raised. Will People Smith. People got to look for Frankie on the street. Hey. He's going to tell you the way it is. That's it. You know, but no, serious. It's just an enjoyable thing to get on yes. stage. Yes. You know, it is. and I, I don't prep for it. You know, the, the rehearsal is on stage. That's, and I think that, and then we'll get out of here. I think that too, it's, it's even more than comedy. Like if you I try to tell my kids, like, don't stress yourself out, like practice what you got to practice. But then right before the test or the big moment, my daughter has soccer games. I'm like, just let it, just let everything go. Yeah, just let it all go. Who cares? Like, truly, who? nobody cares. You're so just get out there. at it, you know? Yeah. So I tell my kids that, but you're, you're a living embodiment of that because it feels like, you know, when you listen to, you know, the day the laughter died, and I'm sure you're set at the garden the first time you did it, you were up there with, like, a plan but no plan. It was almost like the plan is to have no, no plan, see, to just live in the moment. It, back then, in those days, I did have an act I would do, like, right. that I knew really where I was leading But you on your toes with it, though. You could stick you and move with be. it. Yeah, you a lot of people be. can't do that in because life. they called it Dice Mania for a reason. See, people, you know, they didn't just come see me and applaud when I come on and off. It was absolute bedlam in those arenas. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they called it Dice Mania for a reason. I mean, people were just losing it. Did I even be looking around like, are they seeing something I'm not? Yeah. Because it would be screaming at the jokes. Right. Like, I, I didn't even, you know, there's a part. See, if that's what I'm saying. If I was a druggie, I did all this without a glass of wine, you know. So I would watch them going, this is insanity. Right. It's not a normal show at all. It was just, and, and, and the news would call it dice mania. Yeah. And that's what scared journalists that the audiences would go so insane from the material. Right. You know, that's what scared the media, right? I always felt that. It wasn't so much me. And, you know, and, and like I said, you know, at the end of my shows, I would do the musical stuff. You know, I would do the Travolta. I had an eight-piece band, the horn section. Wow. I would do Travolta. I'd do the impressions. I'd lead it into Travolta doing... Grease Lightning with a live band. Right. I would sit with the piano player and do a Luther Vandross, Love Won't Let Me Wait. And they're screaming like that's what they came there to see. Then it was Elvis doing, you know, C.C. Ryder and some of yeah. those songs. And then I would end doing Santana, Soul Sacrifice. Right. With a big drum solo. Right. Which GNR did that with me at the Forum. Duff wow. and Slash both on stage with my band, and we're doing Elvis and Soul Sacrifice, and Slash is giving everything. 
you know, everything, you know. So do you like your career more back then or right now is where you're the happiest you've ever been in your career? Right now, I'm the most comfortable because back then there was, you know, I couldn't turn on the TV. It could be Regis in the morning having somebody on just knocking me down. Mm. They were trying to stop me, Yeah, you know. And then, so that's you know, what I'm saying. That, that, that's like the internet today with social media, all the negative reviews. People think everything is new, but you 30 years ago were going through what people go through today it, with the it, negative reviews. I just wouldn't stop. And then when I got choked up on Arsenio before Ford Failing came out, trying to tell people I'm a guy that really believed in myself, you know, and I'm just trying to tell them, but as me, not in character at all. Right. So I got choked up. Right. So they went through, oh, dice breaking down and crying on TV. But if, if you listen to the words of what I'm telling the public, because I used to see everybody, you got to believe in yourself. And, but nobody said it with heart. Right. I really meant that. I'm a guy from Brooklyn. I broke my ass. You know, that you could accomplish anything you want to accomplish in this world. But, you know, recently, uh, one of my favorite things is when Pitbull goes, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how'd I get so lucky? And he goes, hard work. Right. That's my luck. Every yeah. day, hard work is what got me there. Yeah. And these are the guys that, that have made it in the world. And when I listen to Ice-T, you know how you got the haters? Sure. You know, we all got haters. And Ice-T is telling this story like a couple weeks ago. He goes, this is how I explain the haters. He goes, there's a snake in the grass you know, that keeps trying to get this firefly, you know. And every day he can't get the firefly. He just hates the firefly. And one day the firefly lands on the snake's back and he says, why do you hate me so much? And he goes, and the firefly uh, and the snake goes, because I hate the way you shine. Right. And that's all a hater is. So yeah. just block them. That's it. Which I love to do. Blocked. Isn't blocking like great? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a yeah. beautiful muting bit of control. Or muting, too, when somebody doesn't even know they're blocked, that yeah. you just I'd don't see anything. I'd rather them know. I'd rather them know. Especially if I go and I look at them and see how ugly they are. Yeah, the ugly yeah, bastard. I want a, nothing like blocking an ugly guy. Exactly. You, you know it. what I mean? Goodbye. Well, we took up two hours of your time, Dice. Oh, I, I said know. it was going to be 50 minutes. I'm sorry, but the stories were fascinating. <laughs> there was even more we wanted to do, but we'll do it next time. Yeah. We'll do, hey, look, Part I'll two. do it anytime you want. I'll come up with more names in the pad. I appreciate it. You know, yeah, we like we like. Um, what was our favorite? Um, what was well, it? You the did slippery love what? Uh, oh, the, chubby. The, chub, the chubby liquid lips. I like chubby that liquid one, lips yeah. is chubby what we like. Richie, you in bed with your chest? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, them chubby liquid licks. Yes. Uh, licks. Them chubby lips. liquid lips. Yeah. No. I like that. Um, I know. think we actually might name the episode Chubby Liquid Lips with Andrew Dice Clay. You know, it'll work. Right? She will look at you a certain <laughs> way after that. <laughs> you know. All right, uh, this was great. Go see him at the Wiltern, November 15th. That's right. And Abs did, when does this air? Monday. Oh, well, I will have done the, the other thing already. Paramount. Oh, Paramount Theater, Huntington, December 17th. Great theater. Uh, and next weekend, Golden Nugget in Atlantic City. The best. You know, Love those places. Wilton Theater, November 15th. Mr. Dice Clay, it Did was Did I not. say it right, Sugar Plum? Yeah. Thank you. That's it. All I right. gotta do things right, right? You gotta do it right. Starbucks, yeah. they're coming. He's gonna come to you and tell you to less mocha. I'll tell them how to do it. They don't think. They're not thinkers.
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I'll say this one last thing. Yeah. You know, like when they stop, they go, no more plastic straws. Yeah. It's killing the fish, right? Yeah. yeah. You remember that, right? I do. Victor? 100% back in Philly. Is it Vinny or Victor? Vincenzo. Vincenzo, okay. <laughs> so they come out with the thing, no more plastic straws. It's killing fish. Yeah. And I'm thinking, because I'm from the street, mm. I go, what about the cups? Right. The fish are enjoying the cups and the lids. So right. my straw is choking Moby Dick to death. Be a thinker. <laughs> Give me a cardboard straw in all that plastic. That's going to be okay. The fish are going to go, oh, yeah, that'll digest easy. But the straw. Right. That's the you thing. You understand? They brought the straw back. I wrote a letter. Uh, the best. All right, I got to go. All right, Dice. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man.